0: The subject of this evening's talk is service to other humans. Like others, I'm one of those people who are very interested in the concept and the application of service and what that means as a human experience. And I would say that that generally speaking, I consider service as the highest and the most noble form of human activity and human endeavour. And there is a long-standing tradition of men and women, past and present, who, at, sometimes at a particular juncture in life, have come to realize the importance of service and have sought ways and means to express service and most noticeably and characteristically service to Others. And in this commitment to service, we're beginning to see in our present time a certain, almost put it, a certain evolution taking place that. Within the religious tradition, there has been a long-standing commitment to service, to love thy neighbour, and to find ways and means to express that love for one's neighbour, whoever he or she or they are. But what we are seeing in our present time is a movement of our consciousness which begins to recognise and truly recognise the significance of the inner, the inner personal life, what's actually happening in our hearts and minds, and the relationship of that to the world. And to some degree, religious life, with all its beauty and its extraordinariness, is also, in our Western setting, particularly in its transmission from the East, undergoing a certain kind of change. And the change which I um, perceive or sense, rightly or wrongly, is that there has been in the past a certain kind of emphasis, a very useful and appropriate emphasis, of initially giving Wholehearted attention and commitment to the inner, deepening and developing that, using meditation as a primary tool, and through that commitment to the inner, and through spending a period of time in isolation from the, from the world, coming to a degree of clarity, understanding, liberation, And out of that, the energy becomes transformed and then, hopefully, it finds its expression in the world and it's communicated in the world as a lifelong commitment. So the process which has been employed by men and women wishing to lead a a full and complete life is inner first, from the inner transformation taking place, that finding its own organic expression in the world and the communication of that love, that wisdom, that understanding, that commitment into the lives of other people. And yet it seems to me that there is a change which is taking place and perhaps it's a change born of a certain urgency and a growing Awareness of the reality of things, of the potential fate of the earth, towards making the inner and the outer, this service to humans, as being something which coexists together. And that an imbalanced way of life on a sustained level is one which neglects one for the other and as we see so often some people in their lives and even people whose lives historically we have much respect for uh, have been very much committed to activity in the world and yet have neglected their their home life their personal life and they, uh, An example of this I don't think he would mind me mentioning since he's dead um, is Gandhi who's made a tremendous contribution to freeing uh, India from the monstrosities of uh, British colonialism and yet his personal life is one which was severely neglected and particularly in his relationship to his, his children. In this area of Service sometimes it can be very much outwardly orientated, and a neglect of the inner, and a neglect of the immediate. What is more immediate? What is more personal? Such as family life, as well as the meditative life, and at times too, it also swings the other way, in which men and women, and I feel this has been a, a most unfortunate characteristic of uh, of. Asia, that there's been a tremendous emphasis on the uh, inner for those who are interested, of course, and have uh, the, the possibility for it, but very little real and effective work towards changing the outer. And so, again, there's, there's a necessity and, and need, and this, I think, is a real possibility for us in the West, to find that kind of balance. In other words, providing a service to humans and including in that service to humans a service to oneself as well. But it's rather important, and, and one must, very be, I think, very, very, be very watchful of being um, judgmental in this area. It's rather important that some people have and use facilities such as um, IMS to be able to spend periods of time, perhaps periods of their life, and that may be years or decades, in which the primary emphasis is on the inner and there needs to be situated in our society, I feel, opportunities for people to develop that without those of us who are engaged in outer service, in whatever form that may take, without us engaging in a judgmental attitude to those who are committed to the inner on a a sustained basis. And what I have noticed for people who have uh, um, spent periods of time of rather exclusively working on themselves and their personal life, whether it's in the format of personal retreats on a long-term basis, whether it's in the form of just getting one's life together with one's um, family and one's personal life together, that within the field of developing and exploring that, and deepening that relationship, something, I think I might say almost organic, begins to take place in which something emerges outside of oneself that one wishes in a real and direct way to make a contribution in this world insofar as there there is for the individual service to other humans. And any, se- any sense of uh, development and, uh, and growth and all that is implied in that, somewhere along the way, along the great way, that p- becomes a-, a wish of the heart, a yearning of the heart, to find an expression to serve others. And so what some of us have found in that, that when that heart's yearning is there and one is very much aware of oneself and one's own limitations, that the next step from that heart's yearning is to find the vehicle for the expression of the heart's wish. And it's just, I feel so unfortunate in our society that there is so much emphasis on degrees and qualifications and having letters after one's name etc etc as being almost a necessary step to to transmit that inner energy of care for others into some expression but for some for some of you and others that's the way that one actually has to go has to go through the social structure to establish in one's life a vehicle to communicate that one cares for others. Some of us, I mean people like my, my, myself, and uh, others in other particular fields, whether it's uh, uh, caring for uh, the sick, or whether it's in social action, or environmental, or political action, don't necessarily need any kind of qualification for it. That there is some other kind of affirmation which allows us to uh, engage in service without being somebody special in terms of uh, status. Within that, uh, working on oneself and finding the energy to express oneself in life One of the questions which frequently arises, and it arose uh, to some degree in our discussion group this morning, is what is right action? When does one make the action? When when does one restrain from action? When should we do? When should we not do? And that can show itself in countless situations with regard to our children or with regard to being with others. What? an effective action. And we see that even though the energy and the focus for one's expression in in life and the motivation and commitment is well established, still, and that one has also worked on oneself a great deal, which I feel is indispensable to uh, true service, still the ego, in some form or other, gets directly in on the act. And and rather unfortunately, what takes place, and some see this, so we say, in the medical profession as a a classic example of this, where the motivation is there initially, hopefully, towards service, towards the active, conscious release release from suffering of other people, that motivation puts one through a particularly arduous training course, gaining a particular qualification, but gradually, and sometimes some start off with it, I'm not too naive, uh, but gradually in that movement which takes place, the ego begins to creep in and the fact of the service element begins to deteriorate And the ego with its other interests begin to creep in. So what one ends up with is a complete corruption. The corruption of in it for the money. The corruption of having a privileged position, which when you say, I am doctor so and so, oh, oh, you're a doctor the corruption of identifying so strongly with one form of treatment and the undermining and the disparaging of alternative medicine, which is proving and showing itself to be such a vital force and influence in a society which is racked with cancer and heart disease. So it, retaining the if there is, that original spirit of affection and love and care and following that through means that there must be a sufficient degree of inner awareness and self-knowledge to allow the energy to flow without too much corruption in it. when the motives start being, moving away from the original spirit of one's commitment. Now when that is happening inside of us, in any f- area or field of, of service, and I'm speaking here as much at service to one's children and service to one's parents and service to one's neighbours and service to people that one doesn't know, all are equally important on the earth, that one of the things which I consider very important in this area is that we are able to look for and actively receive from others the message is, of what's actually happening to us. Hearing, the word which we use such so frequently these days, getting and hearing the feedback which comes. And the feedback which comes to us, I feel, has a moderating influence. It, it tempers our, if we're receptive, it tempers our mind to be able to hear. How much ego is involved in what I'm doing? And in order for that to actually be taking place in our life, there has to be, by necessity I feel, the cultivation of close friendships. And as the Buddha said, and so much of the wisdom of the Buddha has nothing much to do with time and culture just to do with the, the, the nature of relationship and, and human existence said a true friend is not one who flatters. It's one who tells the truth. One tells the truth. And our, sometimes in our contact with each other and our contact with our friends we can start to function both in our close relationships and with relationships to other friends at a level which maintains and we actively support a certain superficiality. And now conversations tend to deal with the everyday and quoting what Mr. Regan said at the Republican convention and and this issue, and that issue, and we circulate in that field of what everybody's talking about on a particular day, whatever it might be. But things which we need to hear, and need to come to terms with, and uh, meet each other about, often get neglected. And friendship, and deep friendship, is one which has a place for the superficial. And I feel that a superficial conversation is uh, extru- very valuable. You know, just to have deep conversations every day, is I find too exhausting. So there's a field for lightness and chatter and fun, etc. But there's also the necessity for that receptivity in which I can say to you, you can say to me, people can say to each other, what they also see. And that takes a f- level of friendship to another, to another kind of depth, to pick up. Now one of the things where, when we're engaged in service, which one has to watch for, which we tend to verbalise in our conversations about what we're doing to others, is how much charge there is for us in success and failure. How much charge in, the, in what you are doing for whoever it may be on this earth, uh, how much of it has a, is there the priority of success and failure? Because that's one of the areas where our <laughs> ego or our identification with, an ego and identification with, it, never inseparable, come in on the act. And so sometimes one is doing something, of course one wishes it to flow well, to be successful. But when there's a pivoting of the emphasis on the end, on the goal, the pivoting on that has a strong effect on what flows out from it. Understand? You do something and, 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 and you're very concerned, it's got to go right. It's got to work out, it's got to, it's got to get better, it's got to succeed, I've got to achieve. And that kind of pressure upon one, oneself means that sometimes if one does, it creates a whole new energy, of course, but a whole new ego arises with it. But when it fails... it doesn't go as one would wish, it has such a disheartening effect inside of oneself that one's willingness to renew that energy, to renew that service, begins to disintegrate. And because the mind has pinned so much on the result, it's, it's, exaggerated its involvement with the result of the action. Let's take a very contemporary example. In recent years, thank God, there's been a growing awareness with regard to the plight of the planet and particularly the plight of the planet in light of the degree of, of conflict, fear, mistrust, suspicion, paranoia, hate, all these mind states which arise between superpowers. And the influence of these mind states has a strong determining effect, obviously, on the form of relationship to people who have beneath their fingertips buttons to annihilate. And there's been a concern, there's an awareness, and that awareness has has and is producing an action. I just received from a friend of mine, Jim, who's a, a friend of the center and has been here many times and is engaged in active protest and engaged in active protest about cruise missiles, about Trident about the whole MX system. He just, they just took him to court. They just, he's just got three years for his protest for going into a, a, a base and painting. <laughs> and there's an action there and there's a form of protest which is there and that protest... Is expressed, and of course within that protest one finds oneself bearing the consequences of that. But what also tends to happen is that the energy can arise, the awareness can be there, but because one feels that one isn't changing anything, the heart goes out of it. The energy begins to dissipate, and the sense of there's nothing you can do begins to Dominate the mind, and so sometimes one gets these tremendous upsurges of energy, beautiful as it is, and sometimes spontaneous as it is, such as the the, the march in the, uh, New York a summer ago. But then it begins to peter out because the mind got dependent on on that it's somehow or other going to make a real difference. And one's heart's wish is for that. But it's going to require human beings who can sustain that commitment to change, whose actions are going to be such that the emphasis is on the quality of the action itself in which the end and the most desirable of ends whether it's in service to other human beings or service to humanity to get rid of these weapons that the emphasis on the end is not the primary me sorry the primary reason for action That the means itself, in some way or other, in the action that one is doing for others, is itself self-validating. And so that the benefits which come, which are important, and and one needs to see some reflection of, of that, one is aware of, but the actual expressing of one's concern, of one's love, of one's compassion, is what really counts. Otherwise, the heart goes out of what we do. When it comes to the more immediate and personal levels of our life, and we might take our life and our relationship to our family and our our close ones and the and the giving of energy to them, of providing a service in which our heart's wish, hopefully, is that our friends and our lovers and our children grow up in life with a, a certain um, independence of outlook, a certain uh, clarity of, of heart and mind, a certain integrity and, and and integration of being. And we may say that our energy and our focus and our heart's wish is to establish that. And that probably comes out most strongly with regard to our children, that that's what we want to see happen. And though we may have other kind of ambitions that he or she um, will work um, We'll find a work which serves humanity and is and really worthwhile uh, rather than doing something which doesn't seem so valuable. Perhaps at the more gut level, basically we want the person, our children, to grow up in an integrated way. And we realise, within that act process, within that activity, that you and I, we have our whole background of stuff. And we see, both from our own experience and from the insights of Western therapy, the enormous degree of influence as a mother, as a father, as a parent, that we have on our children. So here is a form of relationship established. There is a service being given. We want our children to grow up aware, conscious, love, loving and independent. And we put so much care and energy into making that happen and yet we have to acknowledge that we're not always coming from that place. So we experience the transference of other as well. But, one of the things which one has to be so aware of in this communication, and I think with children, which is, can be a, a reflection of many other relationships in our, in our life, is that we also have to make acknowledgement for the patterns and tendencies and conditioning which our children come into the world with. And it goes too far, I feel, to put and take all responsibility upon oneself for the way that one's children are. And I think this is where um, our understanding and acknowledgement of ourselves and of our own limitations has to be recognised clearly. Otherwise, we live again and again judging ourselves, placing the pressure on ourselves through that judgment, that in turn gets fed out to the children because of the pressure and it recycles itself. Feeling bad about oneself, I can't be loving, therefore there's a withdrawal, the child becomes demanding, therefore there's a reaction, the reaction produces withdrawal and there's a whole syndrome of interaction which can take place and that can as I say can reflect so many situations and there's feel that within within the field of service in this case in, within the field of service to one's own own children it's there's the underlying consideration which is of primary importance, the underlying one of extending as much acceptance, love, warmth to the child as possible, and if there's that underlying message which is taking place, then when there is turbulence, when there is reaction, when there is negativity and tension, it can be seen more as a wave, as a disturbance taking place and acknowledged in that way so that the underlying thing is that one cares. And, and it seems that if the underlying thing is there, the child can accommodate, hopefully, and assimilate into uh, itself our uh, eccentricities, of our conditioning as parents. It's just daddy blowing his top. There's a, an acceptance. Oh, there's a bo- he's on the boil or whatever it might be. And the, but the underlying thing is okay. It's short-lived. But when it produces a sustained thing then one has to be more watchful and more careful. When it produces sustained anger towards the child, sustained withdrawal from the child, then the child's sense of security within the relationship is affected because one is unable to provide the service of care. So I tend to view it in terms of the analogy of uh, basic calmness or few ripples and making allowances for the waves which, which come, but in such a way that in riding and going through those waves of difficulty there is the renewal taking place of the affection. And the underlying line is the service which is the greatest service. And one of the things which one notices, and I feel particularly, I mean, a very important theme for my own life, and, um, and, and I think for the life of all of us as, as adults, and I think to be an adult is to express a certain independence in life, is that sometimes, and this can be an unconscious thing, so we're not quite aware of the ego at work here, that sometimes in our relationship, and I think sometimes it's with children or it's with a partner or it's with a situation, that we're putting it and extending a lot of energy to another. And the energy is, is there and there's warmth and, and uh, communication and affection being channeled through. And there's a conscious reason, I am doing it for him, for her or for them but there can be an underlying one which is at work. I'm doing it for myself. And sometimes we're not sufficiently aware of how much we're doing it for ourselves. And one of the ways that that occurs in our relationship, I think both with children and with others, is that we're doing it in order to keep reaffirming ourselves, which creates for us, a dependency of ourselves upon another, and equally very important this, it also creates a dependency of the child upon oneself. Some people, some parents as an ex- example, can't bear for the child to be out of sight. Don't want to let the child to experience that form of independence. And so the energy is going out and putting out constant love through the days and and through the night, but it produces in the child, as an effect of it, a certain degree of dependency, equal dependency upon the adult. And so the extension of energy and the giving of a service to another, the extension, in this case, the extending of love must be accompanied with an awareness and with an understanding. Are we making those who are close to us more dependent, or are we encouraging independence? Because dependency produces passivity and passivity in life produces a lack of sense of self-worth and self-esteem and that passivity and dependency can continue throughout the whole of one's life. So we know relationship and in our, in our connection and in our extending of affection and the generating of that in life, there has to be with it, obviously, an ongoing awareness which, which accompanies what we do, which is able, as I mentioned earlier, to hear what others may say. And if that person is being critical and sometimes being negative, Nevertheless, within the content of the message, there may be something that you and I need to watch for more carefully. So that we begin to see at the personal level what our influence is in life upon the world. And particularly upon those who are close to us. And one of the things which I feel is very much connected with that and that extension of energy and that wish and yearning for independence and self-respect and self-esteem is that, and as has been spoken of in the tradition, in the Buddhist tradition, is that in our connection with others it's towards a communication in life in which the heart's wish and practical application is towards the establishing of the independence of another. So that one is not having power over and therefore trying to control and keep and maintain in a restricted form but one in which in our relationship to life is one which encourages the person to take responsibility and find their own empowerment that the motivation and independence comes out of themselves towards change that to me I don't know if you've been able to follow that to me goes right across the board Just putting down Moscow and Washington and all the dynamic of those mental states embodied in the human form and rejecting and rejecting and rejecting only reinforces the thing which one is trying to end. Pointing the accusing finger and disparaging and undermining only produces more of what we are experiencing. And rather in the same way with regard to our close and and loved, loved ones, in our communication with them, it is towards that affectionate and clear and disciplined communication which encourages the person to see, to explore, to be themselves. To live in a way and live in a, a way of relationship to life which expresses a certain faith and trust that each person can grow and develop. To find ways and means in our life and in, the, and, in, and in the communications and in the service which somehow that faith in another is actually expressed and communicated. It actually verbalized that the person can do it, the person can change, the person, person can hear. And that sometimes needs to be expressed and verbalized much more than what we are willing to do. When you see somebody, whoever it is, who you sense is trying, from person with the most influence to one's own young child, you sense they are trying to actually give clear acknowledgement to it so that it brings and it draws out of a person the feeling of they are worthy that they are able and encourages that self-esteem and out of that some love and a greater awareness will come and again not being naive that this is some kind of recipe to resurrect the earth out of its misery. But rather in our relationship to, to life, using love intelligently, being aware of our dependencies on success and failure, being aware how we use situations to more towards supporting ourselves rather than towards the expression of independence for both people concerned. Being aware of the, 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 the feedback that comes, appreciating and acknowledging and developing that which one feels is beneficial and positive, connecting with that which is critical. so that we, we more and more we begin to sense that in a, an, an extraordinary way, those daily life situations which we are engaged in, the ordinary and the everyday where service is at work, and the, and the service which is with regard to the, the total welfare of humanity, that those two areas are quite inseparable. that what we may bring to one, or what we bring to one, we bring to the other. Because it's the same heart and mind which is involved. And when they become inseparable in our life and integrated in our life, that sense of service is truly the highest form of human activity is something that we embody in our life. And the fate of the earth rests to some degree on this kind of message. May all beings live with love. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings participate in life.